I am unashamed. What about you? The show's out, right? All the episodes have been released. Yeah, the show, by the time this runs, all the episodes will be out. Now, we're we're a few days before this. Jeff and I, we're fixing to go to New York, and I guess, what would you call that? Promote the show? Yeah. At this stage... Promo tour. They've dropped the first five on Fox Nation, and they ran the premiere on Fox News that Jeff and his family came over to our house, and we all watched it together, which Jeff and I had already, I guess, seen it because we were in it. But I was surprised our kids actually seemed like they enjoyed it, which I was kind of surprised. They were laughing. And... <laughs> That's what Scylla said. She was like, Dad, you're really funny in, a, in this show. And I was like, well, I'd like to think I'm kind of funny all the time, but whatever you think. Well, you, got the, uh, you got the seal of approval from my sister. She watched it uh, yesterday and was like, she said it was better than Duck Dynasty. That was her vote. Well, that's Better an interesting. Than Duck Dynasty. Yeah, that's an interesting take. I value her opinion since she lived with us for how long? Did she live with us for a couple of years? She had to get away yeah. from y'all's family. It was turbulent <laughs> time. Well, they dropped down to the uh, lower echelons of the Robertson clan, and uh, and you know, a budding new star is Jules Jephthah. Old Jeff, you're a budding emerging. Jules, we named him Jules after the old western you saw on TV. You know Jules, uh, yeah. But anyway, we named him Jules Zepta. But uh, he finally got the that little bit of that green going his way. So, <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not sure we were doing it for the money, but yeah, I know it's a long shot. I'm gonna tell you right now, I did it because there are very few family-oriented shows that you can watch on TV. That's, that's from right. the children to the grandparents, they're just not out there. I had fun just hanging out with Murray, like kind of behind the scenes. Like we would stay at a lot of these old places and he would tell me stories. He'd always bring a book like of what happened in the area and he would kind of read, he was like reading me uh, nighttime <laughs> stories about like, but I, it was so much fun to learn History, like he is a history buff. The only I, was, I was impressed with the, it uh, without realizing that they put forth a good view of Southern hospitality with the people's land that they were looking for the treasure. Oh, Phil, that was we did that on purpose. I mean, you know, we had shrimp, fried catfish. I said, you know, that's a pretty. Good hey, I'm gonna tell you this: there. most people would have a hard time believing this, but that first episode, they did that meal. 100% on their own. There was no, we didn't conspire. I could tell that. Look, I, I could tell. When we got to their house, the uh, the show, what we call the showrunner, she's like, I mean, they cooked this meal for y'all. I mean, what, what are you going to do? I said, I'm hungry. We're fixing to eat it. And I said, and y'all need to film it. I said, just don't get up all in our business. I was like, stand back a ways, film what happens. And then y'all figure out how to put it together. In view of our our culture these days, uh, it literally the fish fry the people where they were doing the searching, you know, to to put a feed on like that gives you a good glimpse of the way culture ought to work. <laughs> yeah, and look, much yeah. needed. I thought it was one of the stronger stronger points of the treasure hunting episode. Hey, how good was that meal, Jim? It was super good. You know how sometimes somebody fries some fish and they overcook it and mm -hmm. their grease ain't the right I temperature? I could tell. Oh, it was perfect. Oh, I could tell. I started eating and I thought they've done this many times. Oh, yeah. You couldn't be this good at this because it was no different than They the, tapped us for a duck hunt, I noticed. Yeah, I got to take Which those Which is boys. a good thing. Yeah, I got to take those two boys. Remind yeah. me of that, Jim. Well, why did uh, your sister... What was her, why did she like it better? Did she comment on that? She said uh, the producer of the show, one of the producers, was extremely talented. And uh, that's a joke. Uh, for those of y'all that know, we were, I was one of the, uh, sort of the producers on it, brought the show together. Uh, but no, she said it was authentic. She said it was realistic. Um, you know, because a lot of scripted, a lot of unscripted shows are kind of scripted, really. But yeah. she just thought it was it was real. She said that you guys came across as genius, and the, I think the Murray component is huge. I mean, Murray is su such an amazing guy. Uh, that part where he tears up, you know that that yeah. that, that hit yeah. me the first time I saw it. Then we because we filmed that um, 
during the beginning of all this, we had a ton of footage of interviewing you guys. And, and that one moment where Murray tears up is just so authentic and real. And it shows the depth of y'all's relationship. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it's kind of a relief. I think people are sick and tired of kind of agenda-driven entertainment. It's nice just to be able to sit down and watch a show, no agendas, just laugh. You see a family coming together. You see people having a good time doing something that may seem mundane, but but it's 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 it really just something special about you guys coming together. So uh, she she loved it, and she oh, made good. a point to call me. Well, you know that's what she said. What do you think? I said that's yeah. good. She called me. I said it wasn't good. It was great. Well, I think uh, in in the TV world, it scares producers and production companies when you start talking about unscripted and going out there and kind of flying by the seat of your pants, which is kind of stressful in the moment because, you know, a couple of the episodes, we literally were looking at each other like, well, <laughs> I mean, it just nothing was working. Sometimes you don't well, find much. You don't you find don't much. and It was kind of refreshing to watch a show like that. And uh, no, no boobs in the right there in your face. Well, Phil, you can, <laughs> you can guarantee you that that's not going to happen. I will say my my the my favorite part of anything that's happened. It was actually a promo commercial by our wives, Jeff. They they wanted to do a commercial that kind of was self deprecating in that because when Duck our our first Duck show came out. There were a lot of people accusing our wives of being gold diggers, which we all found hilarious because when we got married, we had no money. I mean, absolutely nothing. I mean, my wife had more money than me, and she was considered poor. Her dad was a preacher, you know. And uh, so I don't know if that was a burr in their saddle, but they decided to do this little commercial for the show. And uh, I thought, it was the funniest thing of anything that was done. And it funny. came from there because now they're technically gold diggers for real. We're looking for gold in the dirt. It's pretty funny. Well, y'all had a funny one too when Jeff tried to hold your hand. That was, uh, that was yeah, that was also my wife's idea. She was like, because we were shooting those promo things, she was like, you ought to just reach over and grab his hand because she knew he would hate it. So I was like, I'll, I'll do it. I don't care. Well, you got to remember from our childhood, the number one thing that caused fights was the touching of one another. I mean, like Jep or, or Willie or, you know, you just like touch my shoulder, just keep doing it, just bugging you. Just oh, yeah. or like try to grab your ear and, Next thing you know, we're rolling around on the ground. <laughs> yeah, don't so. touch each other. Well, it's a bit. It's it, it's exciting to see it unfold and uh, something that started right here on the Unashamed podcast. That's yep. where the whole thing started, which is kind of cool to see it come to full, full fruition. Now there's a TV show out there that literally started with I, I saw you guys on the show talking. Jeff, you were on the show several years ago. Because it was a I, new I hobby. Told, yeah, you you guys had just started doing it. And I was like, man, that that's your TV show. And Jason's like, nah, that'll never work. I said, I'm telling you guys, I tell you what, you uh, you go put it out there to the people. If they vote, and I forgot what the parameters were, that you had like certain parameters. I think I had like 20,000 people. If 20,000, maybe 10 or 20,000 said, yeah, do this. I said, I'll look into it. Yeah. And then you gave them, you gave them my social media, my Facebook account, which got just. I, but luckily, I had a public page um, from when I ran for office, and so that page just got flooded. I think we had over seventy thousand people respond, and uh, so then you were like, "Okay, let's do it." And then we. I'm absolutely convinced that the people who make the hardware, the detector, searching for the, the detector itself, I'm absolutely convinced. Their sales are coming up. Well, Phil, I appreciate that because you probably wasn't aware of this, but I have a Jace Robertson signature series. You're a wise <laughs> man to do that because <laughs> the the there's a lot of people who would like to look underneath the dirt to see what they could find. Well, it's fun. Lot. You know, it's hard. It's harder than, I don't know. I mean, learning how to blow a duck call is hard to do and, and learning how to metal detect is hard, but it's... You know, you find a, a coin... And someone in the middle of nowhere, a hundred and 
what, 120 years ago, 130 years ago, it came out of his pocket somehow. Yeah. I would think the whole thing was forested at the time. Now they've got farm fields where they were looking. But at the time when that that gold, that piece of silver came out of that guy's pocket, he sat down under a tree having a cup of coffee, whatever, he came away to get in the to get in the pool that you know, medicinal the pool of water. Well, he's down there in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana. I mean, that was a big stretch of hardwood timber. Oh, big. yeah. So money would have been like falling out of pocket. It would have been in the middle of the woods. It wasn't like all. Well, and they built a hotel there. So, yeah. I mean, that the fact that I found that coin. That's pretty interesting that at some point, about 130, 40 years ago, that silver piece slipped out of his pocket somehow. He might have reached for his pocket knife, might have had a fight with somebody. But that coin hit the dirt, and old Jay's ran up on it. Well, just the idea of it is pretty cool. Well, what was interesting about that scene was I took off. We all took off hunting. You know, we just parked the rig on the side of the hill where we thought the hotel was. And I, I forgot my water. It was how, how hot was it? It was. Oh, my gosh. It was over 100 degrees. It was a heated by Now 50 cents is a too. joke. But yep. at the time this happened... Oh, that's I mean, I remember when Coca-Cola was a nickel. Yeah, well, it was I was in the first grade, it was a nickel. Then it got up to six cents. So, but if you found a nickel in the dirt, which we were always looking, we'd get a nickel or two or a dime. And, I mean, it was it was enough to go get you a little bite to eat and a Coke, yeah. a dime. Well, look. Well, 50 I, cents in 1875 or whatever. Yeah, I think it was 1877. 50 well, cent piece, quite a bit. of You could do a lot with 50 cents. So what's funny is I forget my water, so I go back, put my water in my bag, and then took five steps. When the, You could see the vehicle, the uh, the six with the ATV was parked right there. And all of a sudden, it just pump, 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 pump. And on those machines, when it hits the same number over and over, that's usually something good. I mean, it was just, that's why I was saying 90, 90, And so I was like, I think I got something good, but I was talking to the camera people because I looked down there when they were, they were looking at Jeff or, and I was like trying to say, hey, hey, and I, I, they edited this out, but I finally said, hey, turn the cameras over here. I, and then I, then that's where it picked up. I got 90, 90. And I wasn't sure what it was, but. When I saw that, I was like, are you, and you, the emotion poured out. Cause I was still thinking we're doing a show. We have no idea what's out here. We want to find some stuff. We want to make it not about the stuff we find, but it would be nice to find cool, valuable stuff. And so then when I saw it, I, I think that's really why we were like. Well, didn't they say, I like the little blurb that they put over there. They had a little thing that said this, this piece, this was silver. And y'all were talking about, you know, $300. Well, you know, you get $300. Yeah, off I of would never home. sell. But I think that's in better condition because really that's why they put in, in the yeah. best condition is three or $400, which that's not the best. But it was in really good uh, condition. Like collection. I've always collected like comic books, stamps, baseball cards. If they're not in like perfect, pristine condition, they're not worth near as much. So, but if you find a coin, even if you got two hundred dollars out of it, you yeah. exchange one little piece of silver for two hundred bucks. I could see how that would be a motivation. <laughs> yeah, well, sign yeah. Jeff. They're really into that. Yeah, I don't let's, like uh, selling. Let, what hold I on, find. let's take a let's take a quick break for our advertisements. For over 50 years, American Home Shield has protected household budgets from the unexpected, like a busted dryer that won't work, which, by the way, just happened to me, and I had to buy a completely new dryer. An AC that's lost its cool. In fact, they can help cover the cost of repair, and they can replace parts of over 20 home systems and appliances when they wear out, no matter how old they are. Um, so the services, uh, service fees, uh, limitations, and exclusions do apply. So you'll see the plan for details. But here's what you need to do. You need to keep your home up and running. you got to keep your budget on track with American Home Shield. So right now, for our unashamed listeners, you can take $50 off their most comprehensive plan ever. Here's what you do. You go to ahs.com slash fill. That's ahs.com slash fill now. You'll save 50 bucks. 
That's ahs.com slash fill for $50 off of any service plan. Remember, service fees, uh, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plans for detail. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that it's, it's interesting um, when, when you guys got into this primarily was because of, of Murray got you in first, right, Jace? I mean, that's how you got into it. Yeah, because I owned that old place, and he wanted to hunt it, and uh, I let him hunt it, and he brought a detector out there for me. And I was like, ah, because it was just overwhelming at first. I mean, he put coins down in the grass, and I – He's like, see what you're looking for? Test case, yeah. But I mean, look, I hunted. Which Murray, maybe three. Murray's an interesting guy. I mean, he, uh, you guys had interaction with Murray long before this because he invented. Tell the audience about the the apparatus he invented for duck hunting. What was it? The Mojo Duck yeah. flapping flapping yeah, he decoy. Took, he took the concept. Uh, I think the original inventor of the spinning wing was just. It wasn't a duck. It was just a spinning, glaring apparatus it was just and, uh, somebody in california come up with it it was just a, a roll about that long and it would it would flash if it had a little it simulated light a hovering duck before it lights in the decoys which if you think about it for a duck hunter that that's a good thing yeah because if you had your decoys out and then you had one of them given the appearance that he was fixed to light. Well, if other ducks saw that, they would just zoom in there. But Murray came up with the idea of taking the apparatus and making it look like an actual duck. Well, yeah. you know, the, so you're basically taking the floating decoy, putting it on a pole, and then giving it wings. Yep. And it it's not as realistic, which eventually they got to putting the actual wings, but I actually think just the spinning part of it is more mesmerizing to a duck. Because if you anybody's ever scouted ducks, when you look at a duck hovering from a long ways off, it looks like a duck hovering. Yeah. I mean, but th- that's why when ducks get right on top of it, they say, wait a minute. But then it's too late. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's a sharp man. I mean, look, he's an inventor. That that contraption, the, he has big Sheila and little Sheila, as you find out later on in the series. I mean, he's inventing this. But stuff. he's also, what people probably don't know is he's a, amazing gunsmith to the highest order he he built my rifle like 10 years ago and i've a lot have a lot of meat has ended up in my freezer because of it i mean it's like the most accurate rifle you can well and he's just one of those guys that he can like build a truck you just take all the pieces and but he, he he just has that mind that's why when we find stuff I say, Murray, what is this? And most of the time, he's like, oh, that's a spark plug off of 1946-something-something. Yeah, you know, it just spits out of him. You're like, well, how would a person know that? But yeah, he we just... converted he and his brother. He and his brother, we converted both of them. And his brother was a great Bible study. We got down to faith in Jesus and repentance, baptism. You know, go into the world and preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So I showed that to him at the end of the study. And uh, he said, oh, I don't think you have to do that. I said, well, I said, just think about it. And I closed my Bible and I was walk, walking in the kitchen to get me some coffee or whatever. He said, hey, where are you going? I said, well, just just think about it. Next few weeks or something, you know, if you think you read some, here's some more text I'll give you. Just think about it. He said, I didn't say I wasn't going to do it. He said, I said, well, let's let's go then. He said, but I don't think you have to. I said, well, think about it. And that went on for about 30 minutes on, I don't think you have to be baptized, but but, but stay here and baptize me. So finally we went down the riverbank. He walked down there, you know. He's passed on the other side, but he did. He did obey the gospel, no doubt. What were you going to say? Yeah, I always say, I always say Murray's the guy you want with you. If we if you ever enter into an apocalyptic kind of reality, you know, where society <laughs> oh, yeah. falls and you got that's the guy you want. Okay. Yep. yep. Well, the only time on this whole filming of this series, because we stayed just wherever we were at on location, and uh, we would usually hunt for what three days. So Murray has a little place and. Uh, <laughs> when we went up we they didn't i don't 
think they filmed they filmed us arriving there. That's right. But the actual staying there, how long did we last? I mean, it was you you it was like a doomsday setup where there was no electricity. It was a house big enough for one. Yeah. And there was how many of us? This was a small storage shed. Like small. And so Murray's like, well, y'all stay with me. And so there was like five of us staying there. And uh, Jeff and I lasted one night. And I said, Jeff, I think we're going to have to find a hotel. I mean, I'm all for roughing it. (laughs) I was on the bottom bunk. The upper bunk was about two inches from my nose. I was basically in a coffin, which that I don't like sleeping like that. And it was just so primitive. You know, I mean, there was because you just there's no electricity. They had a little outhouse type deal that you turned on this generator and filled up (laughs) some water Mm -hmm. but it was like three feet away and i it just i don't i said you know what i didn't come all this way and then we're filming all day and you're just nasty and dirty and i was like i just can't i'm not gonna be able to stay here (laughs) but but it was funny that Murray got his feelings hurt because he wanted us all to be together. And I was like, Murray, if you want to have guests, you need to expand your dwelling. Well, and Miss Sheila was there, too. So, I mean, I felt a little bit like a fifth way. I mean, his wife's there. So yeah, his like, wife was I there. I hang out with your wife. And, it well. just, no, no. It, we, <laughs> well, so where are we? Are we at Hebrews or Hebrews yeah, 2, right? What? Well, I think you were you were in on this Hebrew study, were you not? Well, I, I, then I took off two days because we were uh, working on the movie stuff. Had a great. Did you guys talk about? Uh, we mentioned it, but I wasn't sure what we could mention since you're the big. Right, what's your role in the in Phil's movie? I think you're, I'm going to either be called an executive producer or a producer, and I'm trying to figure okay. out which what means what. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we had a pretty amazing time at Willie and Corey's. Oh, we talked about that. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah. Which I loved it because it was, like, cool to see all the projects everybody's working on. I I told uh, Willie, we need to get together, like, once a quarter and just pray over everything that everybody's working on. Because some stuff's, like, even, like, y'all show and Phil's movie are completely different dynamics. I mean, one is heavy, and, you know, it's a a very heavy story. The other one's very lighthearted. But what they have in common is, is that I, I feel like both stories or both of these projects are uplifting to the kingdom. And those are the kind of projects we want to be involved in. So that was special the other night. That really was. Yeah, it was. I thought the highlight of it was also our kids leading worship. We had three teenagers. Or I don't know if Layla. I still. cried from start to finish. Did you, Jeff? Oh, I did. I, was, I cried like so, a baby. You're so It was powerful. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. Well, I think I cried the worst because I was speaking in front of everybody, which which is weird because we're not a family of criers, but no. everybody teared up that night, which was, you know, Layla's boyfriend was there. I think that was his first meeting with the family. And so he was like, whoa, this is a, these people are really here? emotional. <laughs> I was like, it's not normally like this. I promise you. Well, but, was, but Zach, uh, I mean, that's your mom, you know, our aunt Jan, she was instrumental. God used her to affect all of us in a spiritual way. And she brought, helped bring Phil to the Lord. So, I mean, in the movie, there's an aspect of that. So, I mean, look, the when when you mentioned her, I thought, well, this is not going to last long. I mean, that you, you're going to be, <laughs> you're going down a road of emotion because it was just, not that we, we all know, I mean, we're going to, we're surrounded by these witnesses and Aunt Jan is one of them. But we just, it's, I think the emotion comes out because it's meaningful. We're grateful and thankful of the work she did here, you know, yeah. for our family let's take, let's, and for uh, the kingdom. Let's take a quick break. So our most loyal sponsor for sure is Omega XL. Uh, most of the guys here take it. Uh, in fact, it's the only pill that Phil takes. And you may not know this, even though we've told you a hundred times, that you have over 360 joints from your neck down to your vertebrae, all the way down to your arms, hips, knees, and feet. That's 360 joints that take a beating every day as you walk around and as you age. That's why your joints hurt constantly and ruin your sleep. Uh, I take this product, Omega XL, from the pristine waters of New Zealand. It's an omega-3 fatty acid. 
And the reason why we take it is because of the science. When we're young, our bodies produce something called SPMs. Uh, they're nature's way of keeping our joints healthy. But as we age, we don't produce enough SPMs, which is why a lot of us are in pains. Omega XL can restore your SPMs and rejuvenate joints and muscles so you can move like you did when you were young. Can your supplement do that? Here's what you need to do. Go to OmegaXL.com slash fill and you'll get your second bottle free. That's OmegaXL.com slash fill and you get your second bottle free or you can dial 1-800-844-4888. Yeah, you... you I think your your uh, comment was probably the best compliment because you worked so hard on a project, and when you mentioned, you said you said uh, you came up to me afterwards, and you said, Zach, I got to tell you, I have very few memories of that time period, but the ones I have are vivid. And he said, you said uh, you you captured exactly what what it feels like in my mind, which yeah. is what we wanted to do. We wanted it to to feel real, you know. That was a scary thought for me. I, I had about seven or eight childhood memories that I can't purge from my mind, but they're like my secret thoughts. You know, it was just, I mean, life was tough back then. And uh, so all of a sudden when that, when you showed the scenes of that movie, they, I was like, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want everybody to know these thoughts because <laughs> it felt so real. It felt like this is, this is what it felt like. So, but I got past it a couple of minutes. So here we are. So, so I missed a couple because um, I was doing that. So I think you guys left off left off in Hebrews too. Right? Yeah, I mean, as an overview, and we got Jeff here. Uh, I mean, I gave a uh, I gave a real simple outline, but basically, I don't know if Al wrote that down or not. What my outline was, but I basically said the first ten chapters was you know Jesus is awesome. And that produced a believe it spirit because he talks about faith in chapter 11 and the witnesses and then a willingness to go be like Jesus, you know, in chapter 12 and 13. That was my outline. Jesus is amazing. Believe in him. Go. I mean, but Al's outline was a little more sophisticated. And Phil, you, you wanted to add one point he had some we had some common words that we went through as far as let me look at al's outline you know the word perfect is mentioned a lot the word better is mentioned a lot in hebrews and we went through these uh impossible is mentioned some of course we know god is the god of impossible and that where he it's impossible for him to lie and then Al had this thing. Uh, oh, another one that was mentioned was eternal as compared to temporary. These are just some themes in the book of Hebrews. There's about five times in the book of Hebrews, at least five. We might find a few more. I don't know. And Al did the, this whole thing on uh, so let us. That little let us phrase is, is mentioned many times. And so what were you going to add, Phil? I was going to add just make sure that we work in these one, two, three, four at least five times the promise our promises of God are brought up. It's impossible for him to lie. And here's what he's promised. He said, I will deliver you and give you eternal life. I promise. And I can't lie. Hold on to that. I love the way that reads. Don't you, Jace? Well, I do. Cause he talks about, there's two unchangeable things, which we'll get to in Hebrews He 6. swore by himself, which is unusual the way it well, reads. Well, most people read that, and they're like, well, what are the two things? Because he says, in which it's impossible to lie, but his nature, and it's impossible for him to lie. I mean, there's your who he is is who he I, is. I'm going to give you eternal life, and I can't lie. I swear to it. I mean, what it's, a way to describe yourself. Oh, man. But the verses that go with that, you know, Hebrews 10, it starts in Hebrews 6, 13 through 19. Then it comes up again in Hebrews 10, 23, then Hebrews 10, 36, then Hebrews 11, uh, 17 to about 37. So it's mentioned 
uh, at just in the right spots, in my humble opinion, it was it's great because I mean the you can start. I gave a lesson on it yesterday. That's what I spoke on, and I had uh, two, four, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, about sixteen or seventeen verses, uh, and James James kind of finishes it up. And James, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial right after the book of Hebrews, because when he stood the test, and it is a test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So James, that's the way he worded it, which is pretty cool after reading Hebrews. It comes up again. It is a lot said about the promises of God, like, 7,500 times. I mean, it's it's a lot in there about he, when he promises you, you can go to the bank on that. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at this passage in Hebrews 2, starting in verse 10, let's read it. It's uh, I love it because it's, it's just setting up this idea or furthering the idea of the preeminence of Christ. We mentioned a little bit Colossians last time. And Colossians says kind of the, uh, uh, Paul does a very similar strategy that the Hebrew writer does and kind of elevating who Christ is, but it says, for it was fitting for him, I'm talking about Jesus, for whom all things and through whom all things and bringing many sons to glory uh, to, uh, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brother, say, brother, brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise, and again I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. And so you think about the promises of God. The, the reason why I think one of the big parts of the book of Hebrews is that he is claiming that the one who's making these promises is the one through whom the one for whom all things were made. He's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. I mean, he is preeminent. He is, you know, the uh, revelation said he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. It's the, the God of the cosmos is the one that's making the promise. So a lot of people read the book of Hebrews, they get to Hebrews six or Hebrews 10, 26. And you, you know, as a believer, you may get worried about your salvation. But I think that before we get to any of those passages, you, 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 we all need to remember that the one who made a promise to us is that, that he's going to sanctify us to the end is is the, the alpha, the omega. Yeah, that's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought about, too, uh, you know, we just had Father's Day not too long ago. And, you know, when he, he referenced in Chapter 1, talking about, you know, the sun in verse 3 is the radiance of God's glory and, he, and the exact representation of his being. And then he quotes those passages in Psalms when he says, You are my son, today I have become your father. In that light, when we when he gets to verse 14, he says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. It just made me think that you know, because Father's Day is a tough is a tough day for some people. I mean, either they had a, you know, we were talking about Phil's movie. You know, if you'd asked me what I thought about Father's Day the first seven or eight years of my life, it just wasn't a pleasant occurrence. And, and you carry that with you as you move forward. Now, in this case, the ultimate father steps in in pursuit of all of us, but specifically in Phil as the movie uh, portrays. And and you have this, this awesome heavenly father who is able to restore his children. But of all the ways he chose to do that is through Jesus. You know, here he's, he's mainly talking to Jewish Christians who have all this ritualistic worship. That was God's sanction in the beginning and some of these people have put their faith and trust in other, you know, beings and angels, and that's why he's addressing all this and who they are, just being Abraham's descendants. So I just think it's really interesting the way the Hebrew writer is trying to appeal to them in this family spirit, this relationship idea 
that specifically focuses on Jesus going all in on Jesus as the representative of God. It's just an interesting, moving, inspiring way to bring them out of what they were under. And, and it appeals to us because we all have our little rituals in life. I mean, let's face it, you are kind of what you are raised up and involved in. And I think their situation appeals to all of us, which is the mighty work of God, you know, how he brings us all under the same umbrella. No question. Let's take a quick break. Yeah, I think that's why it's so incredible to me to read how it's not just in Hebrews. I mean, it's, it's really kind of this narrative throughout the whole Bible or a paradox that, you know, you see this elevation of, of this God, this, um, like I used the term preeminence or elevate or, or supremacy or sovereignty or you know, whatever term you want to use to describe the bigness of God, which, which no matter what term we come up with, we're never even going to even graze the hem of the garment of how big our God is. But, but then you get the like verse 14 and you see that this God condescends, this God becomes less, this God, uh, shared in yeah. flesh and blood he himself likewise also not just shared in flesh and blood but partook of the same that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is uh, the devil and that he might free those who fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives so you start to try to get your mind around the god we serve and as big as he is it just seems ridiculous how small he became and if you don't understand you know who he is but it's in that depth that god's here god's here and he becomes here we can't even really have an analogy for that because he's infinitely big and glorious well, yeah i think the analogy i think the analogy is is this is god's idea you know, most people when you start sharing your conversion or you say you know you start telling your story but he, he's going to make that clear when he gets to chapter 3. I'm jumping ahead. But when he gets to chapter 3, 1, he said he called this, therefore, those who share in the heavenly calling fix your thoughts on Jesus. Well, that little phrase, heavenly calling, I mean, God is the one who calls us through Jesus. It's like this adventure that we participate in and following Jesus, it is an adventure. I mean, you just think about how our, our world changed once we had this God encounter in, oh. in Jesus. But look, it found us. I think the difference in this and religion, which is what he's somewhat attacking because the the ritualistic nature of what they were coming out of is that concept. It's, it's, it's not like we're, uh, you know, we're, we're doing all these grand sacrifices so that we feel like, you know, God owes us something. I mean, that that's more of a r religious view. And God's what he's trying to get us to see is, look, I called you. This is my purpose for you. This is this was my idea. And to me, yeah, that's, and, ins and that's not inspiring. <clears throat> Not only, not only does he call you, he is the one who sanctifies us, is what he says here. The one who sanctifies and the one who is being sanctified, uh, Hebrews 2, um, says here he's the author of our salvation. It says here that um, uh, for whom all things and through whom all things. So you, you get this idea that as humans sometimes that maybe we're somehow manufacturing our salvation or maybe we're stumbling across some kind of something in the woods we find, well, Oh yeah, let me make this decision and, and do this. But, but we must never forget that the author where it all originates to your point, Chase, and really to the Hebrew writer's point, it all originates with who God is, because I love how you said that. It's his idea, not ours. Yeah. Well, I, like, yeah. I like the family type atmosphere in the kingdom, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus, one of the greatest verses in the Bible, <clears throat> is not ashamed to call them brothers. And he quotes Isaiah chapter 8, you know, I will put my trust in him in verse 13 of chapter 2. Here am I and the children God has given me. 
since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Family, human, glorified human, if you want to call him. You say, boy, what a, what a step in time when God Almighty becomes a human being and not ashamed to call us brothers. That's a powerful way to look at Jesus. You know what I'm saying, Zach? Family, brother. He's our savior. He's our brother. I mean, man. I guess well, to, it's, go ahead, Zach. Makes yeah, it real. Yeah, verse 17 of Hebrews 2, it says, therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things. And you know, yep. so one of the questions in theological circles is, is uh, you know, did Jesus have to die? And the answer is yes. I mean, Paul says in Galatians 4, if, if salvation could have come through any other way, then it certainly would have. There, and he there had to no become flesh. He had, he to, had become to become flesh. flesh. He had to be made like his brothers so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. In other words, that mm -hmm. means to make payment. There had to be a payment for the sins of the people. And, and that's true for us today. Like we, I think that's why it's important to understand the bigness of God, because when we start thinking to ourselves, man, look at what I've done. It's one of the things in the movie I really hope people see. I hope they look at Phil's life and I hope they think, man, I, if they think they've gone too far, I hope they can see the man you are today. I think they'll be shocked at the man you were, but that shocking, uh, that shock is, is good because we have to understand that there is no penalty or there's no payment. There's no amount of sin that anybody could commit that's worth more than the blood of the infinite God. Nothing. Yep. Nothing is outside of his grace. And so I think that's what he's, the point he's making here. He made the payment. He made the propitiation for sins of the people for since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, uh, has suffered, he was able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He's been like us in every way. That's why yeah. he's a perfect sacrifice and a perfect and I think at the same time, he's taken on the idea of religion that you're pretty good. You, you think about what religion does versus what God does. And what I mean that is just the order of religion is that we have all these dividing lines. It's like, and just to give you an example, I mean, we tend to say, well, I haven't done the big sins. You know, I got some. I do, do the little sense. So in our minds, that means you're pretty good. You know, he's here most of the time. And, you know, he attends church. I mean, that's kind of the way we view how someone. I only tell little white lies. Exactly. <laughs> now, do we do that or not? The and, white and, part yeah. is where the trouble is, Jay. So my point is, so if you read something in this context, if you read like Matthew 9, I, I think this really goes along with what he's trying to do. When he called Matthew, Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he said, follow me, which goes back to my point. This is God's idea. The adventure came to Matthew. He's just sitting there and he's deemed he's deemed by any stretch any people stretch of the imagination is not a good person because he's a tax collector. I mean, even from a political world, because we tend, Jeff and I was talking about this earlier on the way down here, you know, the difference in a real conservative and a real liberal is we just have a different place where we put the line. Yeah. I mean, but no so, one, no, no one likes the IRS. No one likes <laughs> the IRS. That was where I was going with that. But here comes Jesus. So, so God, revealing himself and he says follow me i mean why would he do that and and look i don't blame the pharisees because they while jesus was having dinner at matthew's house many tax collectors and sinners came now look from a religious viewpoint you're saying see this is why you don't do this because now look at where this leads now you've got the worst of the worst all gathered up in it. What are y'all going to do? Sing little worship songs and all? I mean, this has just turned into something that they don't want to be a part of. And he ate with them and his disciples. So the Pharisees saw this because they have a line that they've divided that in the name of religion. And, and they say, asked, 
Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They got quotation marks on sinners. So evidently they've been doing some big sins. Yeah, he's up to and no good if he's with This cannot be anything take- godly in this. I mean, you're you're kind of seeing it from the light, which I think that's the whole point of Hebrews. Because the same audience, these are Jewish Christians. Let's take a quick break. On verse 12, on hearing this of Matthew 9, Jesus said, well, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I think this next verse is, and this is a quote from Isaiah, and I think Hosea, but I really think this gets to the point of what we're discussing in his audience in Hebrews. He says, but go and learn what this means, which is kind of hilarious, because he, he's like, it's going to take you a while to figure this out. You're literally going to have, this is not going to happen in a hurry. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have come to call the righteous. I've not come. Yeah, I have not Yeah, come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, look, I meditated on this and I thought about this. I was like, what was he trying to say? And then it kind of hit me. We didn't come to call the righteous. Why? Because he said over and over, there's no one who's righteous. And really what hit me in this moment is forget our dividing lines in religion. The dividing line is you have to you have to realize that you are completely and utterly morally bankrupt before you can entertain the thought of, of needing Jesus. And, and that's what you have to think. You can't justify it by I'm pretty good. I haven't done the big sins. I'm going to do better. Everybody sins and they die, and there is no exception. You can do however many rituals you want. You can believe what you want. You can do sacrifices. And that's what hit me about those sacrifices thing. They were doing these sacrifices, and they were saying, okay, we're good. God's, God owes us forgiveness because we're, we're doing the ritual sacrifices. We're doing the ritual sacrifice. So when you get to Hebrews, he's like, animal blood is, is, you're good because I came down there and lived a perfect life and showed you how to live. And then after becoming one of you and then dying once and for all, which he's going to get to in, in chapter nine. And that's why he said, I desire mercy. And that's why he depicted him as a merciful and faithful high priest who, by the way, was sacrificed for us. But our reflection should not be to play this religion game and play the dividing line game, but to realize that we're all sinners. So then he came up with that illustration after that about uh, pouring the new wine and the old wine skins, and I really think that gets at the heart of the matter in Hebrews. You, you've you've got to get rid of the old wineskin. This this old way of doing things is not going to work. You're not going to be able to pour Jesus into that system. Doesn't work that way. He's hundred percent good, and you're not. Period. That's the dividing line. I think that's his point. Well, it goes into. I was just going to say. Uh, I just had a talk with a guy, and I, and I said, "Man, I just think you need Jesus." And he's a fairly. Um, he knows a little bit about a little, and he said. Well, no, I got some stuff I got to work on in my life. I got to clean some stuff up. And I said, nope, you got it backwards. <laughs> I was like, the only way you're going to clean all that up, you got to start with Jesus. Yeah. Then that stuff yeah, will good. work out. Well, he yeah, clean, he does the cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I told uh, my buddy Zach Ad, um, who he was a heroin addict and uh, could come through um, CR, was in a halfway house in a row and and uh he was waiting to get baptized and um i said what are you waiting on man and uh because i mean he put his faith in jesus and he was you know walking with the lord so i'm gonna wait till i'm sober a year i think i've told this story before on here i'm gonna wait till i've been sober a year and then i'll know i can do it i gotta i gotta make sure i can do this and i was like zach you got it backwards man i told him the same thing jeff i said you're waiting until you get it right to come to Jesus. Now you come to Jesus to get it right. And I think that's how many of us do that. Like, man, let me have some time in between my big last sin and the time I really commit to Jesus. And you just, you're not going to get it right. That's why I think that this passage here in Hebrews 2 is so important for us to remember that it is he who sanctifies. So we we're being sanctified, but it's actually him 
He's the one doing the sanctification. I'm not sanctified myself. That's not how this works. And so uh, if it was, then we'd all be completely hopeless. You know? I think you, you know, really see this happens. concept that we're portraying in Luke 15 that has a similar deal. Remember when he was eating with the tax collectors and sinners, and which, look, that's where we got the idea to even go treasure hunting. Because he tells these three stories where a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, which is way more impactful. I mean, it, it gets real in that moment. But even in that system, the prodigal son who goes out there and lives like an idiot, the whole point of the story is the other, the older brother, well, he was living like an idiot too, but just in a totally, completely different way. He was using his good deeds and him not doing that to justify this. That's why the story should be called the gracious father because it really wasn't about the son or the, or the, other, you know, we call it the prodigal son. It was about the loving father. I mean, that that's who should be getting the, the impact there. Here's what the Pharisees said about Jesus in that Luke 15, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Boy, is he on the, like, like you need to find a group where there are no sinners and have exactly. a meal. And that's why I said Jesus flipped that on its head. Are right, we going to keep talking about this in overtime? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, you guys, we're out of town today. We would love for you to join us behind the paywall. Exclusive members of uh, Blaze TV. The, the website is blazetv.com slash unashamed. That's blazetv.com slash unashamed. If you go there, you'll get 10 bucks off your subscription, which I think is $89 a year, which is about, what, less than 10 bucks a month. Um, and you guys can get all the exclusive content uh, we do here, plus all the other stuff with Crowder and Limbeck and whoever else is on the network. Uh, go check it out. Love to have you guys on the other side. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.